This morning I want us to turn to a passage and look at a man and the decision he made. A man who never had the privilege of being a father, but made a choice in his life, the principles of which are essential for fathers to learn. Now, the message obviously applies to all, but today being Father's Day, fathers, I really want you to pay attention to the principles we're going to cover. We're in a series that I've entitled, At What Cost? is examining choices made by individuals and the consequences of those choices. We've already looked at the choice of Adam that he made and the consequences of his choice. We looked at King Saul when he chose to save Agag and the best of the sheep and the consequences of his choice. But this morning, I would like you to turn to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. And I've titled this message, Daniel Viewed Consistency Greater Than Compromise. Daniel Viewed Consistency Greater Than Compromise. You see, the first two examples we looked at were bad choices being made. Adam making a choice to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thereby plunging all mankind into sin. Saul making a choice to save Agag and the best of the sheep for sacrifice to God, but the results, Saul lost his kingdom. He never had any great accomplishments afterward. He lost godly counsel because the Bible tells us Samuel never came to him again to his death. And he ended up wasting a lot of time and effort chasing David around the wilderness. But now we're going to look at a good choice that was made. But you know, sometimes making the right choices, the initial consequences don't seem the greatest, do they? Now we all know, especially since I put a picture up there that has a lion, we all know Daniel was the first thing you think of. Lion's den. But you realize Daniel was thrown in a lion's den because of a choice that he made. But the lion's den is not the end of the story. It's just part of the story. And many times when we make a right choice, there is pushback, there is, con- there is persecution, there is the world fighting against us, but we need to make the right choice anyhow. You see, Daniel didn't care whether he was delivered or not. Just like his three friends we see in, the, in a passage right before this, told the king, we're not going to bow to your statue. God can deliver us if he wants to, but even if he doesn't, I would rather die with a clear conscience than to live compromising. By the way, is that not what we just read or just sang in the faith of our fathers? Talking about how our fathers were chained in dungeons, but yet in mind and conscience were still free. And we need to understand that the freedom of the conscience is greater than physical freedom. Daniel still had a clear conscience, even though he's sleeping a night with the lions which, by the way, are not the most pleasant-smelling animals in in God's creation. If you are physically able, if you would please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. We're going to read Daniel chapter 6, starting at verse 1. And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdoms 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give account unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above all the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was found in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. 
Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except that we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom and governors and princes and the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish and decree a sign and sign the writing that it be not changed according to law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into the ho his house, his windows being open, and his chamber toward Jerusalem, and knelt upon his knees three times a day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days, save with thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, This thing be true according to the laws of Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, that Daniel, which is a children of captivity of Judah, regardeth thee not, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but he maketh a petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself, and he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored to the, to the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree or, nor statue which the king established may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, may he deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid in the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night with fasting, Neither were there instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. And the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. Then when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel, and the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths, and they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found on him, because he believed in his God. Daniel viewed consistency greater than compromise. And three things I want us to examine. First of all, we're going to look again at the context of the account, learn a little bit about Daniel, how he got in the situation. We're going to look at the choice that was made, and then we'll look at the consequences of Daniel's choice. You and I must choose to be consistent in our worship of God. 
Let us bow for a word of prayer. Father, again, thank you for this opportunity to open your word. And Lord, I pray that this message would convict hearts. Show us, Lord, the importance of the choices we make. And I pray for all this morning, but especially for fathers, Lord, that we be consistent in our worship of you and service of you and consistent in our leadership in home. No matter what the consequences may be, Lord, may we understand that it's better than compromise. So, Lord, we pray you help us to this end, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, remember the Babylonian captivity was in three waves. There's 605 B.C., 597 B.C., and 586 B.C. The first wave is when Nebuchadnezzar came in, and this is when he took children of the nobles and of the royalty. This is when Daniel was taken to Babylon. 597, he comes back and he takes more. That's when Ezekiel was taken to Babylon. 586 is when Nebuchadnezzar finally destroys Jerusalem and Jeremiah is left behind with the remnant that's still in Jerusalem, which eventually moves to Egypt. So this is 605 BC, and we see Nebuchadnezzar coming in in this first siege. But as we look at Daniel chapter 6, or Daniel chapter 1, rather, if you hold, hold your place in 6, we'll be back. But let's go to Daniel chapter 1 for a little bit of history. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes. So Daniel then would have been nobility or royalty. Now understand, the parents didn't just sit there and submit their kids. Okay, king, go ahead and take my kids. All right, I know parents that would feel that way sometimes about their kids, but I don't think any parent actually would carry through with it. Okay, so either his parents are now being um, maybe perhaps in prison, but probably more likely had been killed because they would have obviously killed them in order to be able to take their children. Okay, people don't willingly give up their children. My point being this, I'm trying to lay down some background of what Daniel would have seen and heard and noticed. And by the way, we're talking a teenage boy at the time of his being taken captive, okay? So he probably saw his parents killed. We're not sure on that part, but we do know he was of a noble descent or a royalty within the tribe of Ju or, yeah, within uh, Judah. Verse 4, children in whom is no blemish, but well-favored, skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as the ability to stand in them in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and tongue of the Chaldees. So, they had to be good-looking, they had to be fair to look upon, they had to be intelligent in the sciences, able to be taught, well-mannered. These are the cream of the crop, if you will, that Nebuchadnezzar was taking out of Judah and bringing them to Babylon to try to train them in the Babylonian ways. But I want you to also notice something. Who was given this charge? The king spake in the Ashpenaz, master of the eunuchs. Part of what happened to Daniel when he was taken captive is he was made a eunuch. This was prophesied years prior to King Hezekiah. Remember Hezekiah had the Babylonians come to the kingdom and he showed them all the riches of what Jerusalem had. 
And Isaiah comes to him and says, what have you done, Hezekiah? He says, I showed him everything. And God says, everything is going to be carried away captive. And then listen to these words in 2 Kings 20, verses 17 and 18. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house, that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And I, thy sons, they shall be the issue from thee, which thou begettest, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Now I want to read Isaiah's account. Isaiah 39, uh, 7 and 8. And of thy sons that issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord, which thou hast spoken unto me. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. Let me just park here for a moment on King Hezekiah. While he was a good king, from the time that he asked God for more life and God granted him 15 years, everything went downhill. It was during that time that Manasseh was born and then he, King Hezekiah shows off the kingdom and I still cannot get over these words of daddy saying, it doesn't matter as long as there's peace in my day. As long as things are good today, really don't care how that affects my grandchildren. But you know what I see in our society today? A lot of men are living exactly like that. I don't care what happens to my children. I don't care what happens to my grandchildren. I don't care about the next generation. All I care about is I want to be happy today. How dare us as men of God ever allow that thought process to cross our mind? So here Daniel a fulfillment of what was prophesied to Hezekiah. He was carried away to Babylon and made a eunuch. He was trained in a foreign culture. The end of verse 4 says, and he was taught in the learning in the tongue of the Chaldeans. But then let's look at verse 5. And the king appointed them daily provisions of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, nourishing them three years, that at the end of thereof they might stand before the king. So they're given the luxuries of the palace. And you know what's interesting? Daniel, Hazariah, Mishael, and Azariah, also known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were not the only four taken. But they're the only four that had enough character to stand up and say, you know what? I don't want to eat that defiled meat. The rest of them, I could just imagine sitting there, you know what? We already saw mom and dad killed. We've already been made eunuchs. You know what? I, I give up. I'm just going to go along with it. I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm just going to go with this whole thing. And after all, they're going to feed us the best. I might as well enjoy life. But you had four who stood up and said, it doesn't matter what has happened to me. I still will serve God. Then he had his name changed. It's interesting that we know the other three by their Chaldean names, but we know Daniel by his Hebrew name and not Belteshazzar, which was his Chaldean name. But verse 8 in chapter 1, which you've all heard probably many times preached, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Despite all that had happened to him, he still made a choice to follow God. He remained faithful to God throughout all his life. As a matter of fact, do we not find him in the chapter 6, where we're going to be looking at here in just a moment, praying three times a day 
with his windows open toward Jerusalem, praying to God. Still faithful. Do you realize there's only three people in the entire scriptures that God doesn't give us any of their faults? Obviously, Jesus Christ, because he didn't have any. So there's two men in scripture who were sinners, but God chose never to tell us any of their faults. One of them is Daniel. The other was Joseph. Now let's go back to chapter 6. That gives you a little bit of the history here. So let's look at a little bit of the right up to the event, what happens. Daniel's character was such that he was preferred above the others. Verse 3, then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was found in him that the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So the king said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have 120 princes over the 120 provinces. I'm going to set up three presidents over them, and then I'll be king. Well, this was working for a while, but then the king says, you know what? But Daniel's so good at what he does, and he's so trustworthy, and he's so faithful. Why should I have to listen to three? I think I'm going to put Daniel above all of them. And they can all answer to Daniel, and then I only have to talk to Daniel. Probably didn't like talking to all of them anyhow. You know how it is when you get a room full of politicians. The king wants to promote Daniel, and now the other men are had a problem because they don't like Daniel. After all, Daniel's just one of those Hebrews. You know, it's sad that discrimination has been in all of humankind. It wasn't based on Daniel's character. It wasn't based on his ability. It's based on the fact that he's not like us. He's a Hebrew. And we still do the same thing in our society today, don't we? Folks, we need to understand God created all men equally. So the others are trying to find fault with Daniel, but there's a problem. His character is completely impeccable. Now, it doesn't mean Daniel didn't do anything wrong, but as they're trying to find a character flaw with Daniel, they can't find anything. That's a problem. You know, it is interesting to me today how our politics has gotten so perverse that they will dig up anything about anybody to try to smear them. I saw not too long ago, especially after the leak of the Supreme Court decision, which I'm praying still comes down in favor of overturning Roe versus Wade, and I hope everybody in this room agrees, right? That somebody took the time to dig out and find out that Mark Robinson and his wife, and I think it was before they were married, and I think before they were saved, before they, before they found Christ, had apparently had an abortion. And so Mark does an interview, and he says, every one of us has a past of which we're not proud. And he says, and that's a scar that we deal with. Something of our past that we deal with, I forget the exact thing, but basically saying that was before we were saved, before we were married, we were, we were young, we were foolish, and actually that helped us understand more why we're against abortion. But it's sad to me that, I mean, could you imagine the time it spent digging this out, the fineness about the guy? But no, we have to waste all this time on nonsense and trying to dig things up. So here they are going with a fine-tooth comb through the whole life of Daniel. They can't find anything wrong. And finally, one of them stands up and says, look, 
guys, if we're going to find anything against Daniel, it's going to have to be something that deals with he and his God because he, he loves his God, he obeys his God, he follows his God. So let's look at the law of his God and that's where we're going to find a fault with Daniel. So then they come up with this plan. Let's have the king for 30 days, not allow anybody to pray to any God or any man, bring any petition to anybody but the king only. That's the dumbest law I ever heard. No, I'm not going to say that because somebody might hear me and they might try to make one dumber. I'm, I'm convinced that they're trying to take this as a competition anymore, all right? But it's one of the dumbest laws I have ever heard. And so they bring it up to the king and say, King, all of us princes and all of us presidents, except Daniel, <clears throat> have made this thing up that nobody should pray to anybody except for you for 30 days. Well, this is a pagan king. <laughs> That's a great idea, guys. Sign, let's sign it. By the way, being deceived himself, if you look at the context, it says all of us did this with the insinuation Daniel was in it too. He learned real fast these guys were totally untrustworthy because... Obviously, Daniel wasn't there telling them about it. Daniel did, was not part of this. So the king signs it. Now, let's look at what happens. Let's look at this choice that Daniel now has to make. Go down to verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, stop. Daniel knows the writing's signed. It's not like he accidentally went to his house and prayed and got caught. He knew the writing was signed, okay? He has the knowledge, this is now law. But Daniel chose courage over cowardice. You see, courage is not the lack of fear, but the determination to do right anyway. He knew the writing was signed, but he was going to determine, he determined to do right anyway. And men, that is what we need to do. Look, if any of us ever said there wasn't fear, at some point in our lives, we're lying. But courage is not the lack of fear. It's the determination to do right anyway. Do it anyway. Get through the fear. Trust God. Now, Daniel's a man. Do you think that maybe even for a moment, there was a, hmm, you know, maybe I could just close the curtains and then I wouldn't be seen doing what I'm doing. But Daniel chose to honor God over hiding. Let's look again at verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. You see, Daniel is not doing this for show. Daniel is not trying to say, hey, I defy what the king said. Daniel was in the habit of going to his room with his windows open toward Jerusalem and praying three times a day. And Daniel said, I'm going to choose to continue to honor God over hiding. He could have kept the windows closed. He could have pulled the curtains. He could have done something. But he says, no, this is my pattern. And I do this to honor God. So he has the windows open and he gets on his knees, and he starts to pray again, not for show, but because this is the pattern that Daniel has followed. Men, this is why I say it's important we remain consistent.
Remain consistent. You know, when hard times come, you're not going to all of a sudden develop a pattern of prayer. The pattern of prayer needs to be already there. When the hard times come, you're not going to automatically turn to the Word of God. You need to be in the Word of God now. You need to learn to trust God now and make the decision and determination to trust God now and not wait till the hard times come. Daniel chose to stand on conviction, not compromise. He could have rationalized, you know, but if I close the windows and I close the curtains, if I would just do that, then there wouldn't be such problem. I mean, you know, it could look like a it could look like I'm trying to defy the king. It could look like I'm trying to be arrogant. It could look like I'm trying to whatever. And he could try to rationalize this. Don't we try to do that way too often? He realized there's a fate worse than death. There is a fate worse than death. And that is to live with a violated conscience. Listen, you and I, Christian, can live with a clear conscience before God if we simply obey and follow him. Daniel chose faith, not fear. 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Daniel didn't know in verse 10 what we know in verses 18 through 23. He didn't know if God was going to shut the mouth of the lion. But Daniel understood that honoring God was more important than death. He was willing to do what was right and face death if that were the consequence. Although he knew God could deliver him, he didn't know if God would deliver him. And we even see his three friends, when they talked to the king, when the, when the king said to fall down and worship that idol, they said, king, God could choose to deliver us. This is the JKV, the Jim Core version. God could choose to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow to that, that idol right there. We would rather die than to worship a false god. Daniel's essentially saying the same thing. But he knew this, whatever God chose would be best. If God chose to spare him from the lions, that would be best. If God chose for him to be eaten by the lions, that would be what was best. But he knew this, praying to God was still more important. You see, Daniel was more concerned about pleasing God than pleasing men. He was a president about to get a promotion by the king. To defy the king at this point might mean loss of promotion. Then it goes back to the rationalization we talked about. Well, man, but I'll get this great position if I just go along to get along. So that's the choice he made. Now let's look at the consequences of his choice. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. We all know that as a fact. But that was a consequence of the choice he made. You see, we get this false concept that when we follow God, everything's going to be a bed of roses. I don't know where that came from, but it did not come from Scripture because 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We have been absolutely blessed in the United States of America that we can worship God freely without the fear of persecution. But what it has done is weaken us as Christians to where we don't understand that most of the world today still suffers persecution for their faith. And we think, you know, well, somebody makes fun of me because I'm a Christian. That's persecution. Let me tell you something. That's nothing compared to what some of our brethren around the world face. 
And yet we cower when somebody calls us a Jesus freak. Or we cower and we try to find, fit into the world because we don't want people to think that I'm too different than they are. We need to stop expecting everybody to like us. I have learned that if you want to stand for what's right, you're going to make enemies. So do not attempt to please the world because the world always wants just a little bit more. You know, the homosexual crowd said, we just want to be recognized. Well, we just want to be a little bit more. We just want a little bit more. We just want a little bit more. We just want a little bit more. Till it got to a point just a few years ago, well, now if I think I'm a man, I think I should, or if, I, if I'm a man and I think I'm a woman, I should be allowed to go into women's room. And then finally we stand up and say, hey, that's way too far. Well, the world is never satisfied. They always want just a little bit more, just a little bit more. And Christian, you and I need to stop it the best we can when it's small and not let it get to a point that we're talking about men going in a women's bathroom. What if Daniel had compromised? We can't answer that. We could what if it. But I want you to think about what the possibilities would be. You see, one of the things about Daniel is he continued through multiple kingdoms with multiple kings and multiple kingdoms. That is completely unheard of. If I'm going to come and conquer, I'll pick on John back there. I'm going to come conquer John's nation First thing I'm going to do is kill John and all his advisors, and I'm going to set up my own. Well, we went from Babylon to the Medes to the Persians. We go through Nebuchadnezzar, Belteshazzar, Darius, and Cyrus that we know of in this line, and Daniel is still there. That is unheard of. So when I come and I take over Johnville, I save one guy out of this. And then Ed comes and he conquers Jimville and he saves the same guy out of it. Think of that. That is incredible. It speaks to the testimony and character of Daniel. That when I went to take over John, I heard of this advisor that he has. And I hear that he's so faithful. He's so good at what he does that I say, I'm going to keep him alive, and I'm going to put him in my kingdom. And then when Ed takes over, he hears the same thing about this same guy, and he still keeps him alive. What do people say of you and your character? That's the character I want to have. But you know what? While he was put in the lion's den, God closed the mouth of the lions. His life was spared. God rewards faithfulness. Now, not always immediately, as we see in the case of Daniel, but as Daniel is coming into that lion's den, as he's being thrown in there, God sends his angel and he says to the lion, shut it, you're not eating this one. And Daniel just sleeps the night with the lions. Maybe even uses one as a pillow, I don't know. And the lion's like hungry, but can't eat that one. How do I know they were hungry? Because the passage right after this tells us, tells us that Darius took all those princes and their wives and their children and said, here's what I think of that decree you had me sign. And he throws every one of them in the lion's den and says their bones were broken before they ever hit the ground because the lions were so hungry they were devouring them. 
after Daniel spent a night. Now, I guarantee he had to get a shower afterwards because cats stink, okay, especially the big cats like that. I'm sorry, but whew, had to be a bad night in that aspect. His testimony was recognized by others. Chapter 6, verse 5, Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it concerning the law of his God. Even the king recognized it. Look at verse six, uh, Verse 16, then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the lion's den. Now the king spake unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Verse 20, verse 20. And when he came to the lion, he cried with a lamentable voice Daniel, to, unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? And the answer is, yes, he is. Woohoo! Is he able? But you know what? His testimony and his following God was recognized by his enemies and by his friends. If I were to talk to your friends, what would they say about your testimony? If I were to talk to your enemies, what would they say about your testimony? While Daniel continued through multiple kingdoms, verse 28, so this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian, his enemies were destroyed. Verse 24, And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them and their children and their wives, and the lions had mastery of them, and break all their bones in pieces wherever they came at the bottom of the den. Now I want you to get something. These are some hungry lions. Because we're talking how many princes? 120, very good. How many presidents? Three. And then wives and children. That's a big feast. That's a whole lot of people. I don't know how many lions were in this den, but there were some hungry lions. Daniel and his testimony and his choice, and this is the greatest consequence that happened, brought glory to God. I want you to look at verse 26. This is Darius speaking. Well, let's go to verse 25. Then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Okay, so he has it translated to all the different languages. He has this published, and he has it delivered to every person in his kingdom, which is most of the known world at the time. And this is what he says. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever in his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth who hath delivered Daniel from the power of of the lions. The king, a pagan king, because of the testimony of this godly man, writes a decree praising God Almighty and sending it to the entire kingdom for all to read that honor belongs unto God himself. We say, we act like God can't change the heart of the king. You do realize that our president 
And every congressperson, their heart can be changed by this same almighty God. And God many times will use us and the testimony that we live before them in order to change their heart. Now, we don't know if Darius' heart actually got changed to the point that he accepted God. I don't know, but I do know this. He saw the testimony of Daniel and was so impressed with what Daniel had done and what God had done for him that he sent out a decree proclaiming this about God to everybody in the entire kingdom. That brought glory to God. But you know what's beyond that? God then had Daniel pen the words that you and I are reading so for all eternity, forever settled in heaven, and the word of God is, crea- is, 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 is recorded, this account of what Daniel has done, and I'm able to stand here and preach this message to you of, a, of an account of something that happened, and you've probably been taught since you were a child, but it's recorded forever because of the testimony of this man who brought glory to God with the choice that he made that day to say, I'm going to honor God. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to close the curtains. I'm not going to change my pattern. I'm still going to pray three times a day. I'm still going to worship God. I don't care what the king's decree says. Those men are wrong. God is right. God shall stand. I'm going to obey God. Whatever the consequences, I'm going to be faithful. I'm still going to do this because it's right. And he opens the windows and he gets on his knees and he prays and he knows he's being watched and he doesn't care because it was the right thing to do. Let's be a Daniel. Let's make a choice like Daniel. And dads especially today, since this is Father's Day, we live in a world that is fighting us tooth and nail. Every, every TV show you watch makes dad look like a complete buffoon. And masculinity is being trashed and we're being told we're not supposed to act like men, and we're being told we're not supposed to lead, and we're being told we're not supposed to worship God, and we're supposed to be all these things. Let God be God and every man a liar. And let's follow God. And let's be men of God. And let's worship God with a consistency and with a humility and with such an impeccable testimony as Daniel had. But let's make a choice and view consistency greater than compromise. The world's teaching us, you've got to compromise. You've got to compromise. You've got to compromise. And I'll tell you what we're doing. We're giving over the principles of God's word bit by bit, and soon there's nothing going to be left to give. So let's hold on to what we have and say, I'm not moving. I'm not changing. But I'm going to stand where God called me to stand. Let's be consistent and not compromisers. Let's bow forward in prayer.